time on his hands and too much recording equipment in his basement. Armed with an obsession to bring entertaining and informative content to the dental world in a way that's never been done before, I give you the Alan Mead Experience. Well, hello and welcome to the Alan Mead Experience. Uh, my name is Alan Mead. I'm a dentist, a podcaster, and a sandwich artist. And, uh, Today I would like to introduce uh, my host. Uh, This is a guy I met some years ago. He was one of the early adopters, early listeners of the Dental Hacks podcast. You may have heard of that show. And he actually was able to, he gave me feedback early on, and that was helpful. And uh, he's been, he's kind of been with me the whole way. So I'd like to introduce to you Dr. Zach Myers. Zach, how are you doing? Oh, wonderful, Alan. And thank you for having me on the show. I've been listening to you for a long time, and it's been a pleasure, and I'm, I'm glad to be here. I know it's a little creepy because you were like one of the first people that did send us feedback. I remember that. It, and it wasn't it wasn't like bad feedback or anything like that, but I, I've always sort of trusted your judgment as, as an actual listener who came on as a listener, not like a friend who would just listen and say nice things because <laughs> because you didn't want to hurt my feelings. Like early on, you know, I didn't know who the people listening to the show were, so it was nice to, to, to drag you out of there. I think you were one of the first ones from Facebook that I got, so I appreciate that. Well, it's uh, scary that uh, you took my advice, but I think the <laughs> results have been uh, fantastic. Actually, you, know? you were one of the earliest ones who thought, just do interview or brain trust, don't split them up. And I have to tell you that that, is a good, that move has been good. Uh, it is easier to, it's easier to edit, which is really, sounds really dumb. But for me, it's like I actually can do it a little more quickly. Like I just because you have to kind of think about where the good spot for the break is, how to fade in, fade out. Um, for people who haven't heard the other show, you should go go listen to it. It's called the Dental Hacks Podcast. And uh, basically, we used to we used to do half of the show as an interview, and then the other half of the show we call the Brain Trust, which is a roundtable of a bunch of dentists kicking around a concept. And we'd split them up because I thought it was cool to have different different things. And I still think that's not a horrible idea, but it's it sucked when you would get into the interview and then it would fade out. And mind you, I think part of me enjoyed the idea of the cliffhanger for the next episode. But I think most people are like, whatever, we're going to listen anyhow. Just give it to us, you know. So I think yeah. that was one of your, your early critiques. That That's been a great change to the show, in my opinion. And uh, it's been really neat to see the show grow and change over the years. You know, I yours was the first podcast I found when I started getting into the idea of even listening to podcasts. And, you know, it was something about it. Have you ever seen the movie Dodgeball? Alan? I didn't. I didn't see Dodgeball. I've seen, seen Bits, but I've not seen uh, it. No. Okay. I know it's well, Ben Stiller. Yeah, I, I, mean, but, I mean, I'm familiar. Well, Vince Vaughn. Those, those that have listened to this will get this. For many years, I've been practicing for about 16 years. Now. For many years, I would almost avoid dental talking to dentists or going to lectures because I always felt like they had this this vibe this like practice setting that was beyond me beyond what I was doing and it was kind of like the globo gym that, that oh was yeah yeah I get it I get it and, sure you know when I listened to you guys it was like wow these guys are just they're not superstars I mean, no offense but uh they're they're just hey, they they're, suck the as much as Joe's. I do. I love this. That's <laughs> what well, it was the average Joe's mentality. You know, the kind of like, you know, hey, these are the the, the people's dentists, you know, so it's really funny that you, I, you say that because it's it's um, I do think that that's that's part of the appeal. You know, so much of continuing education, so much of everything you you have to you have to put a face on 
what's happening. I actually wanted to talk about that. You have to put a face, or you do put a face, whether you mean to or not, that's, you know, that's better than maybe what reality is. And so I have this problem where a lot of times I will judge my insides, how I'm feeling and, and thinking about myself and everything else against everyone else's outsides. And it's not a very fair comparison. I think that's kind of what you're getting at. Yeah. Yes. I, yes, that's what I'm hoping, hoping to get in the nicest way possible. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh yeah. No, I totally get it. I totally get it. You know, like I, I would prefer that you judge me on my very best days when everything <laughs> drops in with no adjustment with perfect margins than when, when I muck everything up and yeah, exactly. Well, you know, you go to so many CE courses, like you've been, you've talked about going to Chicago Dental Society before, and you, you go to a CE course, and all you do is you see these full mouth reconstructions and all of this big stuff, and, you know, no one talks about just class twos, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and you guys talk about all that, the real basic stuff, yeah. and people need that. It's good stuff. I think, you know? I think you and I have a, a relatively similar practice, I suspect. I, I do do a lot of single tooth dentistry and, and a few teeth in a quadrant and stuff like that. My, the next like full mouth rehab with all the teeth prepped upper and lower will be my first in my practice. I've never done that. Don't I, I would someday maybe the problem with, I think with those cases, just like anything, if you do it very occasionally bordering on rarely, you're going to lose your ass on it. <laughs> you're going to be, uh, you got to relearn the skills every time you do it. You know, it, it is tough. The I've done maybe a couple half mouth rehabs yep, and, yep. um, they were hard you know, enough, what, by, the, by the time, uh, by the time I got through with it all, but the, the lab work and the multiple appointments, I was like, you know, I don't think that was really all that great, yeah. you know, for, for me personally or it's, maybe it's, even it, for the patient. To I do think it, the you know? profitability comes when you do it enough that you know what pitfalls you're going to fall into every time well, or, or or you need to avoid. If you don't even know, like it's one thing to get the teeth prepped and the impression made and all this stuff. It's a whole other thing to know how to work out the occlusion, how to do the timber. I mean, and, and I think if you do that a lot, just like anything, if you do a lot of good reps on it and, and learn from the reps, then great. I think that's fine. But like if you're a, a you know, bread and butter dentist like I am running into that. I'm like, man, that's, that's just, I don't do enough of it to get good at it. You know, like, like it isn't like an upper arch isn't the same as 14 crowns. You know what I'm saying? It's like the upper no. arch, the whole other animal. I mean, and, and I, I don't, you know, that's not something that I do very much of. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Absolutely. So I was Absolutely. interviewing Jason Smithson yesterday and I, I thought about this. I was driving home from the office. I thought, I'm going to run this past Zach because so he he's very um, matter of fact about how he practices. And, and what's cool about his practice, from what I can tell, is people seek him out because it's him. He's He's got his reputation is big enough and he can say no to cases enough that he's really doing the stuff that A, he wants to do and B, he's gotten really good at and gotten known for. And I think that's totally cool. And I think... I think everyone would aspire to be like that, except that leaves out a lot of people. There's a lot of people that just aren't going to do that. And right now, I feel like I'm one of the dentists that can <laughs> deal with those people, the people that are just going to do it. And I don't know. I guess, what do you think about that? Uh, you know, I think we all aspire in some way. Not Maybe not all of us, but many of us aspire to do what Jason Smithson can do. You know, I mean, I look at that resin work, especially the interior stuff, because I do – like to do a few composite veneers here and there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I would like to do that kind of stuff, and it's admirable, and it seems really cool, but like the idea of how to get there, that was yep. actually what was fascinating about the episode you did with him, is I was listening to the evolution of how he got yep. 
yep. to be where he is. I was like, man, the burden to get there seems high. I agree. You I know, agree. and and the one thing that the one thing that a lot of, a lot of CE people I think maybe will have you believe. I don't know if they do it on purpose or if they just when you tell the story from the past to today. It looks like there was very specific direction the whole time. Where in reality, sometimes you almost Jason was was cool on the this podcast when he was talking about it. He almost stumbled upon it. It seems like you know he clearly has a lot of natural talent that he has developed. Like that, he's got he can do things with with composite basically anything that that probably no one else can do. He's he's amazing that way. So in a way, I aspire to be like him. But I also know that there's only so much. You know, I can't do what he does. I think with all the reps in the world, he, there's just a certain amount of uh, just a certain amount of talent well, that he has. But my thing is, is that he, he made it sound like it wasn't just a point A to point B. This is what I always wanted. And I knew how I'd get there. It was almost like this. Is, he sort of learned. He sort of figured out how he was going to. He sort of figured out along the way what he was doing, and I like that because I think that's like more realistic. I think you don't even know what you like until you've done it a little bit. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I mean, the the guy is obviously a Picasso, and he, he's exactly. not giving himself enough credit for the amount of talent that he has. And I, I can only imagine how many reps or how many classes it would take me to even get 50% of the way there. Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, uh, you know, you have to be able to communicate the value and be able to sell that kind of work. Yeah. That's a skill set all on its own. We we talked a little bit about that too. It was kind of cool because part of it is is that when you are really confident that you can deliver, when you're really confident you can deliver, you've done a lot and you, you kind of know what what you can do for someone. There's a lot less selling. People can just kind of feel that that and they, they didn't get there because they found him on Google and he was a nice family dentist. They got there because he's He's him, you know, so it's a little bit different, too. But and, you know, that's a really good point. It's, you know, in some ways, uh, if you if people are coming to you asking uh, for a service because you have a reputation to do it, you're right. There's no sales process there. They're seeking you out. That's, that's like the beauty the key, of being a specialist. That's the key to getting there. Yeah. yeah, that's the key to getting there, really. I always thought that if, if you were a specialist, you know, name your specialty, honestly, you know, if, if if I don't do any ortho in my office and I send your kid to the orthodontist. You're already primed to, to have some orthodontic work done. You're not. You're you're more than kicking the tires if you bother to go to the office. Same thing with a root canal specialist. I mean, if you get to the endodontist, you kind of figure there's a root canal at the end at the end of that trip. You know what I'm saying? Where I'm I'm, al- I'm always a little bit uh, envious of the the lack of uh, any uh, sales. Yeah, or talk the, yeah. You don't have to sell it as much. Yeah, you don't have no. to sell it as much. And I mean, a prosthodontist, I suspect, has to do the case presentation well if they're you doing bet. big pro stuff. But you know. I I think being known for something is really a helpful thing, but and so when you're when you're uh, when you're bread and butter like you and I are, it, we're not. You know, I'm sorry, but we're not going to be known for our profies. Okay, we're we're not going to be no, we're not going to be known for our class two composites. So it it is sort of a different. You know, we're family dentists versus a destination dentist, which is tough. I mean, I'd love to. Part of me would love to be a destination dentist. The other thing that I I love about the CE guys who. The same thing where they tell the story and it seems like they've had that trajectory from, you know, from basically birth till now, you know. The other thing they yep. do is that that every case breaks down to being this exact same format that they do. This is how we do the case. We we start here and we bring them to here and we get case acceptance here. And, and, and I just know in my office it's never as pretty as that. 
<laughs> oh, yes, I wish it was. I wish I, you know, had that kind of confidence and that kind of case presentation talent to get from one place to the other. But, like and, but my thing Too is, bad. I'm not sure that it, I, I, for sure, I'm not. Case presentation is one. Actually, you know, I don't think case presentation is big is as big of a problem for me as freaking treatment planning. I'm horrible with that. Like I, I always just get, eh, I get, I sort of start looking, and there's about ten different ways you could do it, and I don't, I don't know. I always feel like I sometimes get stuck with all the options that I could potentially do for this patient. And the other thing is, is that I never really know what the patient's willing to do. Like how much, how many times have you put in some time on a treatment plan, and you kind of sit down to explain it to them, and the patient, the patient sort of glazes over immediately, and goes, you know what, doc, what I really want is just a couple fillings and take these teeth out that are hurting. And you're like, man, it would have been nice to know this about, you know, 45 minutes ago when I was working this stupid case up. You know what I'm saying? And that, I have to say that happens more often than not. And it might be that I just don't read people very well. What, do you have any suggestions about that, that? Oh, gosh, no, I don't have any suggestions because I, I deal with the same thing. You know, I that you're right. That's tough. I mean, is this someone that uh, is going to do a, a comprehensive treatment plan or is this someone who just you know, once their cavities fixed and, had, and move on, guy, it's very tough to. I had a to guy come in last week. That. This kills me, right? So I, anyone who anyone who says that that I just don't say the right words or do the right thing, it's so funny because I mean, like I, I am, I'm bread and butter. We're very blue collar where I work, you know, and, and and frankly, as a dentist, I've kind of gotten beaten down. You know, when you try and set up a a treatment plan for someone when in reality they're not really interested in following through with much at all, you get beaten down when that happens a while. So I had a new, uh, I had a new patient last week where I went ahead and assumed that they, they weren't going to want much. And the guy, I was, it was like, it was one of these things where I think it was a tooth that was broken down and, and I, I was going to suggest a core and then when we could do a crown, we'd do a crown. And he laughed at me. He said, don't, no, no, Let's do what's best. Finances aren't a concern. I'm sure he was. He probably looked like a freaking homeless guy. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just like, okay, I give up. I I can no. <laughs> I'm tired of proposing stuff and getting smacked down. Like, why would I do that? And then turn around the same thing. So I'm sort of hopeless about that stuff. There's no two ways a about that. Alan, I think you just described one of the one of the most difficult things for your average family dental practice yeah. is that you know you uh, you get into the mindset where no one wants anything when you get a whole bunch of no's mm-hmm. and it almost makes you miss the opportunity yes, where exactly. someone does come in does want something ideal yes. can't afford it and all of a sudden you don't you don't you uh, miss it don't pitch it you miss it <laughs> you I, miss it and i know that uh, every, there's a lot of people and probably smart people that do better than i do so you have to you can't you know you You'll miss every time, you, you know, you, you will miss every time you don't pitch. I'm like, that's fine. But I get so freaking beaten down by pitching stuff. And then people looking at you like, well, I can't believe you would think that I would do that. You know, it's just like, well, I you're right. That's the other side of the coin is you can actually turn people off with an over, you know, pitching something way over their head as well. So it's a damned if you do. Yeah. Damned if you don't kind of thing sometimes. <laughs> One but, thing uh, that's funny about that, too, is that, you know, I could... If I'm smart, I'm at my best when I'm being like super transparent and authentic. What I should say is, you know what? I have no idea what you're expecting from me. I can, I can give you, uh, you know, the first thing that's hard for me is just saying you have a lot of stuff going on. Okay, you have you have some dental problems that I I could address. You can do all of what I suggest, none of what I suggest, or we can find someplace in the middle. But I really want you to let me know what what are you expecting from me, and then I and then I have a hard time staying quiet. 
you know, I should just do that. Say, look, I, I don't even know what to do for you here. But I mean, part of it is that as a doctor, we need to, we need to catalog and let them know what the problems are. But there's a lot of different ways of doing that too. Have you ever just done an exam where you've got no treatment plan in mind at all? That's the problem as dentists. It's really hard to do an exam and just point out, you know, pathology and concerns and not suggest treatment plans because we we're don't you always kind of go in my in mind to what the treatment plan is, which is how you can fix it. Uh, yes, that's you're right. I mean, dentists are the ultimate. You see a problem, you've got to fix it. Mm-hmm. You know, you're in the whys and the hows. Those may be the gray areas, yeah. but you know, you do you, and the person may not even want it fixed. Yep. But we feel compelled to say something and come up with a solution. Yeah, you know, I so. feel like I'm notorious for. Uh, and actually, I think my my team wants to chart it as a treatment plan instead of a instead of an exam with pathology and concerns. You know, in other words, like like sure. I, when I was in dental school, I went to the University of Minnesota, and they had this. It was a problem based chart, and for the life of me, I can't find any like. I hated how they had us chart in dental school because it seemed like, well, it was very time-consuming, to be honest. It seemed so time-consuming. It seemed like a pain. And in looking back, I would kill to have some of those charts and see if I could make it into something digital because it was kind of brilliant. It it sort of required you to go tooth by tooth, go go you know measure the perio, measure really really get a handle on the diagnosis before you dive into the treatment plan. And I think that's super smart. And I won't lie to you, I I am as a as you know, a general dentist, you know, family doc kind of thing, man, I, I, I get ahead of myself in a lot of cases. Cause I don't, these people don't want me to take a lot of time. It feels like they don't want me to take that time. They want to, they want to be seen in hygiene and go home. You know, it's, it's, it's tough. Tr- it's true. You think of the, I think of back to dental school and I think of like the exam and I hadn't, this is something I hadn't thought about in a long time, but you're right. We had like a, you know, a two hour exam and you were checking muscles and excursions <laughs> yeah. and all this stuff. And, and maybe someone that, does a little bit more comprehensive work says sure i already do all that but you know in a lot of ways hard to get paid sometimes i don't hard to get paid for that and i think patient expectation is is really not there i mean that's the story is when you got out of dental school that's probably that's not how my dad was doing it when i got into his office i suspect that's not how your dad was doing it either and you and you kind of learn a happy medium i do know people that talk about i only do comprehensive exams and i'm like yeah but are there patients that show up and go, really? I'm really, <laughs> can I just oh, get yeah. my teeth cleaned? You know, it's, it's a fine line. It really is. It's a fine line. A- absolutely. You know, I mean, it, you having the benefit to have, having worked with your dad, I, I also had the same, mm-hmm. I, I still work with him to this day. And in a lot of ways, I credit him so much for teaching me. Here's how we're really going to do it. You learn the academic way. Here's the real world way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm extremely grateful for having that experience, you know, it is funny because I don't know that I don't know that I've ever talked with someone else on any of these podcasts about the concept of working with your dad or even a close family member, but even specifically with your dad. And it, I, I, it's funny that I haven't because I mean, if, if in dental school, I'll bet a third of my class had a dad, an uncle, a mom. That was a dentist. Like, in other words, they had grown up around it. They kind of knew like they were uh, they came from a dental family. That is like so common in dentistry as to be almost cliche. Was that the way it was in your dental school class? Uh, uh, there were there were a lot of uh, of people with with parents in the profession. And in some cases they joined. In some cases they did not. Yeah. Um, and I I have and it was it was the best 
and the worst at the same time sure. thing that's that's happened to me in my in my career. You sure. know, I've learned so much. You talk about an enormous amount of free CE. Yeah. Uh, someone to bounce all your plans off of. Someone that has your best interests at heart uh, to talk to. Um, at the same time, uh, they've got a they're set in their ways. Uh, a lot of times, of course, they're older. So we're you know it takes a long time to get from 1980s dentistry into 2010s sure, kind of dentistry. Sure. Okay. So my dad graduated from the University of Detroit Mercy in 1968, and I graduated from dental school in 1997. And and so he'd been practicing for almost thirty years when I got out of dental school, um, which which is when you think about it, it's 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 a little bit like you know he's had he's had a solid career's worth of dentistry before this kid ever shows up, and I was like his sixth associate or something like that. And I don't know if you my I I actually had dad on the podcast a while back, and it's like great episode. He's, that was a great one. He's he's like such a he's such a. Uh, outlier when it comes to associate dentist. I mean, everyone who's ever worked with him as an associate, they stayed in town. They opened a practice. He let the, he, he just, there was never like a signed contract. He just said, if the patients go to your practice, they go to your practice. And I mean, it never seemed to hurt him because he just was really open about it, which is amazing, you know, but like, <laughs> I killed it. I was the last associate, I think that, and um, <laughs> I, of course in, in all along in his mind, and it was spoken and unspoken and this sort of thing, I was going to be the guy who bought him out. And that was, you know, he was going to end his career and, and sell the practice to me. And that was going to be it. And of course what happened was I, I wasn't all that busy after a year and a half. And, and lo and behold, someone that actually was working in dad's practice as a, as a uh, consultant just mentioned in passing that there was, there was a need for someone to come, you know, there's a practice that was probably going to come up for sale in Saginaw because the the owner was struggling. Actually, what happened was the owner actually like woke up one morning and decided he wasn't coming in anymore, <laughs> and and oh, wow. literally told the told the uh, the team said, "Well, it's been great, but I'm done." And and he walked away from it. So, and his lawyer eventually said, "You should probably just sell it, get someone in there, and just sell it to him for whatever you know." Obviously, as soon as the dentist walks away, the practice starts to lose value like crazy. So and so I I stole the practice eventually from him, you know with I. I I gave him less than he wanted and, and all this stuff. But the bottom line is it's um, I left dad because an opportunity that was hard to argue with showed up. But that doesn't, you know, had that not happened, I don't know. I wasn't itching to leave dad necessarily. But I also wasn't looking at it like, wow, I have to build this practice up from the inside as, you know, as the associate, as the partner, as the whatever. I, I always still felt like I was the kid at dad's practice. And I think there's maybe a little bit of a struggle with that sometimes. So have you, did you ever have a problem with, you know, everyone saying, oh, you're Doc's kid kind of thing? Oh, Alan, absolutely. You know, I, I graduated in 2001. I went to, uh, to a six-year program at UMKC, same school as T-Bone went to. We were in the same program. He was a couple of years ahead of me, so I didn't have as much interaction with him. But I got done when I was 23 years old. That's amazing. To and me. and I and I walk in the door and, you know, the staff sees me as Doc's kid. The patients see me as Doc's kid. And boy, you talk about it was a tough it was a tough first few years. Mm -hmm. And did you grow a beard? Like no, I, I, I should have. I, I, I grew, I grew, the, I grew the beard. I, I had the beard. And I mean, I've always kind of on and off had a beard, but I'm like, ah, well, I need to look a little older than I do. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> now, not a problem. I've got, I've got the years. I've got the gray hair. I've got the receding hairline. I qualify. Thank you very much. It, 
it was a it was a tough go at first. Much like your experience, I wasn't very busy at first, and you know that 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 kind of grinded on you after a while. But yet, I never kind of looked away for a different opportunity. But I, you know, it kind of just eventually worked out. But boy, it took a lot longer than I ever thought it might. You know, you know, you said uh, something about the team. I think maybe the team is the harder sell in some ways. And the team can get to know you and see that you're you're a competent dentist on your own. But, you know, they I always felt like, I don't know that it's fair to say this, but, I mean, their loyalty was to him because they'd worked to him, with him forever. And, and, you know, they've had plenty of associates come and go. and But, but I mean, like, Dad was the, the, the owner and the guy. And, and, of course, fathers want for their kids so much I, like a dad would have essentially let me do anything at any time because he brought me in with, you know, it's for me, it was my first paying gig, but for dad, it was his son coming into the profession, you know, it's just like, it's like a whole, like he wanted nothing. Clearly there's no associateship position, like having your dad as your boss, unless you don't get along with your dad, I guess. But I mean, it, Dad's going to look out for you in a different way than any other, you know, any other owner dentist would for an associate, right? Uh, absolutely. And I, I feel, you know, I've heard plenty of family stories where things went badly and, you know, caused parents and children not to talk anymore. And I feel bad for those that I've heard about that. You know, I feel good that dad and I still have a wonderful relationship. He still works here. I still enjoy coming in. I'm still happy to work for him as, mm-hmm. as him being my my boss. And uh, all those things have been a real winner. It was very tough getting started in terms of, you know, okay, son, you're going to see uh, pedo and emergencies. Those are the people that will see you at first. Yeah. And uh, you build your, uh, you kind of build your side of the practice out from there. Well, in 2001, you know, uh, recession then, another recession, 2007, 2008. Whew. It was a long climb. It was a long climb to build up that 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 side of your practice. Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, and here's the other thing too. I suck working at kids. I'm terrible at working on kids. To this day, I just and and you know, there's a lot of people say hey, you got to get over that. Well, you know what? I just uh, I'm not good at working on kids. I don't. I, I I do what I have to do, but I I don't enjoy it. I I can't. I don't ever get like comfortable. So this is really what I want to be. Doing. <laughs> I just am not there. And so, and I do know that, like, dad let me wuss out on that deal. You know, he, he was, he was essentially okay with me not doing, but I, oh man, I look at it, I go, I didn't, I didn't know anything. Like, I didn't know anything when I bought a practice on my own. I'd I'd only been out for a, you know, year and a half when I bought my practice for crying out loud. And and there's so much to be said about, and, and, and I mean, this sounds unhelpful to a new grad, but it's like. There's so much to be learned just from freaking doing it, right? I mean, like, <laughs> you, yeah, don't even, oh, you don't even know. Yeah. You don't even know anything until you've done it for a while. And honestly, until you've kind of screwed up or you've done, you know, just just okay, that sort of thing. Having a dad there in some ways maybe padded me from the school of hard knocks. Some stuff that maybe I needed to learn a little bit earlier, you know? Like, oh, absolutely. I There's so many business. That I would have fallen on my face yeah. had I tried to buy or purchase one of my own practices. I, w- I wasn't mature enough at that age. I, I didn't have I didn't it in me. That. You were, you were 23. I mean, I was, yeah. I was 26 and I was still, I mean, like I can only imagine like I God, I was, that was halfway through dental school for me. <laughs> yeah. I, I wasn't, 
I wasn't ready. I probably should have done an AEGD or GPR, something to to help with that. But certainly from the business angle, I wasn't remotely ready. I wasn't ready to handle a staff of people that would have been, you know, very close to my age, you know, or or in in dad's case, several years older. You're talking we had he had people that had been there for a long, long time. Sure. I wasn't ready to manage those people. I I was shielded from a lot of real world things by you know, having him there to handle it all and feel good about him doing it because I know it was all in my best interest. Yeah, and that's that is the one thing where it's it's tough. And you know, here's the thing: every dentist has every dentist has like bad habits they get into. And when you don't know anything but what your dad is doing, whatever bad habits that may be, and whether that's um, you know, like it's not even anything. <sighs> shortcuts that 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 they take or matrices that they use or this is how I do a posterior composite and when there's ways that I've learned that I like better but but because this is how dad did it, this is how I did it kind of thing and I think in some ways I got I got I say bad habits and I I almost mean that in a um what's the word I'm looking for like a it's not. It's not bad as in it's bad dentistry. It's. It's just how they deliver this stuff. It's like you learn your own little tricks and stuff, and not your own. Your own tricks don't always work for everyone. You know what I'm saying? You, you know, Alan. That's kind of circling back to what we talked about at the beginning of the show. You know, since the the podcasts have been one of the things that kind of gotten me reignited and reinspired in dentistry, I had gotten in a rut where I was doing almost every procedure. Uh, the, the same way, way you had, taught. exactly, exactly. The same way I'd been taught, and, you know, admittedly, I hadn't gone to a large amount of, of good CE to mm -hmm. change any of those habits because I felt like I had some great CE right in the house. Uh, but, you know, your show and some of the other great shows that are out there have exposed me to a whole bunch of things that were out there that I had no idea even existed. And since exploring a lot of those things, it's allowed me to change a lot of the things that I've done sure. just in the past two or three years since your show began. And that's got me back into it. You know, that's, that's reignited the passion. It's made me excited to go in. It's uh, you know, there's just a whole lot of new things that are out there that if you're not exposed to them, you don't know, you don't know what you don't know. I agree. Okay. So I, uh, in 2002, I joined dental town, like in, in course, I don't. Mark Zuckerberg was probably in junior high at that point. I don't know, but like, like Facebook wasn't a thing. The social media wasn't really a thing. Dentaltown was early social media. It was a bulletin board system, and but I joined that in two thousand two, and like for about six years straight, I think I spent all my spare time on Dentaltown. The time that I burn on with podcasts and Facebook and social media, that same time was spent on Dentaltown, and and it. it it shaped much of what I do now because I was learning from other dentists in the trenches. Now I feel like the podcasts and Facebook and stuff have sort of taken the place, you know, of that. But what's interesting is, you know, new dentists, people who have graduated, you know, within the last five, six years, they've had that all the time. And it, and it probably felt like putting on an old slipper, you know, it was comfortable. They've already, social media wasn't, uh, wasn't a new wild and crazy thing. It was just, it had always been there. So if they were, if they had the forethought or just even ran into a, a, a Facebook group or someone who listened to the podcast, they had a chance to listen to this stuff before they even got into a rut. You know what I mean? I totally agree with the, the rut thing. Like Dentaltown pulled me out of that in such a big way uh, back I, in 2002 even. 
I remember I did a lot of Dentaltown early on, and Dentaltown probably could have been great for me, but it was kind of like you, you're, I wasn't ready for the teacher. Yeah. Uh, there was so much there, but I, A, I wasn't ready for it. And, and B, it was kind of one of those things every time I, I came up with, hey, I got this new idea. You know, that's where the, the downside of the, oh, dad's like, hmm, I don't think we really need that. Or I don't yeah. think you need to go to that course. Yeah. Or I don't yeah. think we need that material. Yeah. You know, there's the, that's, there, there's the like slight downside to having someone else run your business yeah. Yeah. and someone else have the, well, we don't need that because what we've been doing is working great. Yeah. Why yeah. won't rock the boat? And that's you know? honestly hard to argue with that in a lot of cases. Uh, frankly, have, being a practice owner since 1998, I could have used a little of that. Like, man, especially before I got serious about really vetting products that I brought into my office. Because basically from about 1998 to 2007 or 2008, I'd go to Chicago Midwinter. It, there, you know, there really weren't there weren't good places to I go to the midwinter now and I more or less know what I'm looking for. And I go look for it. Uh, I used to just go and I'd walk the walk the floor and just buy stuff like, you know, some slick salesman would have me sold on it and I'd buy it. And that was that. And literally there'd be stuff showing up (laughs) weeks (laughs) later that I didn't even remember buying kind of thing. Like, Oh, what's this? And, And there's much, much less of that now. Almost none. I would love to say none, but almost none. And I think that the internet and Facebook and social media and, and other podcasts and stuff have really helped with that a lot. Um, but it is funny that that um, I think the other thing that I know you for is um, is there's a certain you have a certain frugality about delivering delivering care in a really excellent way, but trying finding ways to save save money on the same kind of thing. And and it is funny because I kind of need that. I'm a guy who who will spend. I I spend money on stuff that I probably don't need to sometimes, and and I almost could use something like that. Mind you, it says the guy with four microscopes. Um, <laughs> it's it's <laughs> you can't use all four of them at once, can you? Um, <laughs> but I do I do find that kind of interesting too. Tell me tell me about your background in in uh, frugality. How about that? Yeah. Well, that, you know that's one of the principles that Dad put in me from the get go. He's like, you know what, production doesn't matter, collection matters but not as much as you think but what does matter is what's left and how you use it and how you save it and so that's just been something i've gotten from day even before i was a dentist Mm -hmm. and so it just kind of carries over uh if you get passionate about personal finance it kind of rolls over into practice finance sure and uh a lot a lot of what you said just a second ago about going to a meeting and being seduced by supplies and things that you see, we are fortunate now to have the internet resources that, that, uh, we never had before. You don't have to rely on reps to tell you what's good. Yep. Uh, you know, you can rely on people, you can rely on reviews. You know how mad that makes Uh, the reps, by the way. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure if they have to just listen to me, they'd hate it. Yeah. Well, uh, but, but I mean like the reps, if there's, if someone's been a rep for 15 or 20 years, they have to, I should get someone on the show like this. There's got to be like the consumers must just be so much tougher and and know so much more now. I would assume. Maybe I'm wrong, but but I'm assuming I, that a lot of them know more. I I think if a dentist wants to, the information's out there. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't don't seek out that kind of in, uh, lot, seek out a lot of that kind of information. Yeah. You know, if you, if you don't subscribe to a dental advisor or a CRA newsletter, you're not getting those kinds of reviews, and so you, then you do kind of fall back and rely on either. Uh, you know, a rep or a, uh, you know, just a show or something along those lines. 
Um, and so that's what's kind of, you know, that that uh, frugality standpoint is what's led me into, you know, ordering things through the independent dealers that don't uh, that don't have a representative associated because I don't need the rep. Um, it's it's led me to finding a lot of off patent things. I think we, we pay too much as dentists for a lot of things that have been made for a long time that the patents way expired, the generics out there, and it's the same thing. But you just keep ordering the same thing you always known because you don't know it's out there. And the yeah. reps aren't bringing in – they're not they're bringing in the newest fancy yeah. composite. Yep. They're not bringing in something saying, hey, you've been ordering you know, Duralon for the last 15 years. But you know, you really don't need to pay you know, Duralon prices because that product's been off patent for 20 years. And here's the exact same thing for a whole lot less. That doesn't happen. That's exactly right. The story being that, that – uh... <laughs> it's, when was the last time a sales guy came in to show you the thing that they, they had two years ago? It just didn't happen. Exactly. And endophiles are the classic thing. I think, I think there's a, uh, like by, by the calendar, they, you know, what, whatever new endophile is out, that's about nine months until the next new one comes out. And what's crazy is you can still get most of them too, by the way, they don't, they don't necessarily discontinue them. It's just, they're not the new, new thing, you know? And it's so, I, I do I do agree that it, there's a little it's funny because I think dentists are attracted to the shiny and new and all I know I am I I'm, I'm I shouldn't admit it but it's true the new the new fancy thing always seems to grab me so what, what what do you think about that there there's so many great individual companies making things now that aren't going through the big reps that unless you're looking for them you're not going to find them yeah you know that the edge endos for for files and uh yeah i mean agendo came on agendo came on really strong with their marketing early on they, i think i think their, their their marketing was really i think it was really effective so you're a fan tell me a little bit about that uh, you know i was very skeptical about their product for a long time you just it's one of those things with something so cheap you figure it can't yes. it can't work it's yes, got to yes. be it's got to be made in China. It can't, you, you, can't work. You, <laughs> you know? want it's like a pipe dream to think that you could get the same for this the same quality sure. for the for less money. It's a pipe dream. And so, you know, one of the things that happened is that when I when I got kind of control of uh, uh, billing and supply ordering, I was like, you know, I'm going to just try these. What's the worst thing can happen? I'll try them in some extracted teeth, sure. see what they're like, and you know, lo and behold. These things were great. It, 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 the, the advertising, which uh, – a little dubious advertising that almost makes it seem too it's good to It's a little over true. the top, but I actually kind of like it. I kind of like uh, it, actually. But, well, and I, I see the appeal of it, but it all to, – to a skeptic, and you've, you've spoken about this before. You're a skeptic. Oh, yeah. About I'm a everything. skeptic. Yeah. So I was skeptical. But, you know, I, you just got to – you got to try stuff. You got to throw some bucks out there, get something in, try it, and uh, – yeah, I tried it on a few extracted teeth. I realized it was the real deal. Started using them. I liked them better than the ones that were that cost me three times as much. Sure. Um, and I found that to keep happening over and over again. If you would uh, find a find a product that's pretty similar to what you're using, maybe something you've been using a long time. Maybe it's off patent now. Someone else is making it. You try it out. And a lot of times those work great, Alan. And there's a lot of money to be saved on those. I, types I agree. I agree with that. What you know, and you do a lot of endo. Is that right? That's kind of one of your things. I mean, I wouldn't go as far as to say I do a lot, but it's something that I don't refer much of it out. I feel very confident in sure. it. I, I there's days that I wish I was an endodontist. Uh, it is a procedure I've, I've been comfortable with since day one. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to use another example. It's a little bit different because it's it's a little bit more spendthrift. But okay, so now you're seeing everywhere all the time. 
getting into digital dentistry, you know, digital impressions and, and using a using a scanner instead of impression material. First off, impression material, there's a lot of good impression materials out there that even the inexpensive ones are pretty good. Like this is polyvinyl siloxane is not a mystery anymore. Like it's there's a lot of good materials, that's, and that's a hard market to bust into something new because there's a lot of relatively inexpensive products that work great. Um, True. Scanners are expensive. On the whole, they're expensive. Like in, in the the fancier ones that you're looking at, uh, particularly I look at the, I think of the trios, you know, the, which is you know it's a forty thousand dollars scanner. Is it's that got, the one you have? No, no, I got no. I got the TrueDef. I got the TrueDef that's on the small. It's the the desktop one. Okay. Okay. And that's the one that takes powder. You have to powder, and people bitch and moan about the powder like crazy. And I get it. You know what? People who use the early Cerec, they had to powder. It was a nightmare. They hated it. The powder for the 3M, you got to do it, but it's not that t- it's not that big of a deal. It's it's not a huge deal breaker, mind you. People who have used all of them would, might say, "Oh, but you have powders and whatever." In any case, the, on the other hand, you can get into digital scanning for less than twenty grand on that 3M. Okay, and here's my thing: the digital scanning, in my mind, the accuracy is really good, like shockingly good. And 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 everyone always said that before I got into it. I haven't really talked much about the scanner on the other show, but the, the, the accuracy is good enough, like actually better enough. And I used Aquasil Ultra cordless actually for my polyvinyl for the last year and a half before. Mm-hmm. It was good, good material. It's expensive. It's got that cool little handpiece. And I, I still, you know, when I'm taking a polyvinyl for Crown and Bridge, that's what I use. But um, although there's a couple others that honestly I would move to, if I were going to go back, there's some less expensive ones that have, that are really highly rated in any case. But so I got into a I got into a scanner for less than twenty grand for significantly less than twenty grand, and there's some pretty big advantages. Not the least of which is you've got you've got your postage one way. If you're not using a local lab that does pick up for free, which I most of the time am not, right. uh, the lab turnaround is much faster. The case they're working on the case the next day. There's no pouring of stone. There's no that's very cool. The accuracy, particularly the the interproximal. Uh, contacts and the occlusal contacts are amazingly good. I and I don't know what it is about the scan. Maybe maybe every impression has some kind of distortion in it somewhere. I don't know, but I I mean I'm a huge fan. This is a for me this is like a a, a really really good thing that I've added to my practice. I really prefer it. I like the quickness of it. All that stuff. It's more expensive than than buying impression material to be sure. However, I didn't. I don't know that the the extra twenty some grand to go into the nicer, fancier one that doesn't use powder. I don't know that that would be worth it to me as much. Um, but I just and I, I have to say, there's a data there's a data plan that you got to buy. So it's not it's not a costless thing even after you buy it. But I got into the less expensive one so I could be into digital dentistry, and I'm really glad I did. I, I have no regrets. But it, so it's not cheap. It's not like a frugal product per se. You know, no one has to get into this digital, but if you want to get into it, there's a way to get into it without without going whole hog or buying a milling unit or all that stuff. So I just I just the, feel like there's some good stuff to be had out there. The the digital dentistry is very interesting. It's something that I would like to invest in soon, as I, especially as I see the cost coming out. One of the first episodes of Dental Hacks that I got the opportunity to listen to was Mike Detola. Yeah, he'll tell you that if you want your preps to get better, if you want your dentistry to get better. There's nothing more powerful than seeing your prep <laughs> blown up 30 yeah. times. And uh, well, yes, yeah. oh yeah, that too. Yeah. On uh, blown up 30 times on a screen. Yeah. And you know, that's as much as anything, that's intriguing to me because uh, getting better is always 
There's never no negatives to that. Yeah. And so that's that's an intriguing to me. And the the scanners are something that uh, you know frugality be damned. I would like to invest in at some point. And I also think it makes you look up to date, look cool. Yeah. And you know, there's some there's wow value factor. to that as yeah. well. There is. There, I think there's a wow factor. I at least uh, I haven't seen it myself since I don't have it. But what have you experienced on your end? From, yeah, patients patients patient. love it. The other thing is, is that. I spend my crown seat times, you don't have to, I mean, it isn't milling chair side, but my crown seat times are like next to nothing because there's very little, honestly, there's almost no adjustment compared, um, very occasionally. And I will say this, I've marked the margins wrong. And and <laughs> so it was my fault. It was not the lab's fault. It was my fault. But actually, I kind of like that ownership personally. That works out okay for me. But I have no regrets. And it's, it's a, you know, at this point, it's the financing was reasonable and it's not, it wasn't a big nut every month or anything like that. And the, the cool thing, I guess the thing about it is, is that you know that with this digital stuff, you're, it's hard to know when to pull that trigger. And so I thought, how about you get in for as inexpensively as possible so you can get to know how, it's, how the workflow works because it's always going to be improving. It's all, you know, you know these, these companies are just, just cutthroat. You know, it's always neck and neck and changing everything. And, and the prices are going to come down. But the... Is the scanning, has it been a gateway for you? Do you feel like you want the milling now that you're into the scanning? Is it, I've, is it a gateway I've thought purchase? about it. I've thought about it. I Honestly, what the scanning people need to do, listen to this, you scanning people, trios and 3M, they need to make this something that you can rent for a month to see how it actually works in your office. Because you know what? Oh, so people are going to buy. Yeah. People are going to buy so much more quickly. Like you can't really demo this. I will say this. The 3M rep let me demo on a live person. I did a, I did a crown on my assistant. Um, nice. they let me demo it and I don't know that she was supposed to let me demo it to be honest, but she did. And I'm glad because I feel like I really, I, I was like, yes, we can do this. This is something, but and mind you, I've had it for six, six, seven months and we're still learning. We're still learning like full arch, full arch impressions are intimidating to me still, but you got to remember too, digital stuff can't distort in like the chemical physical way that impressions can so there's there's a lot of cool factor. I, I think it's – and the other thing is, you know, it's it's going in that direction. At some point, there will be a time in dental school where, where like, you know, dental students look back chuckling about the fact that, you know, they had to take physical impressions at some point in dental school. You know, I, I suspect that's, that's real. It's going to happen at some point. Oh, yeah. The question that's is when, when, do you, when do you pull the trigger and spend ah. the money to get in? And, and I, I can't even answer that because it is an expensive technology, although you can get into it inexpensively. And my guess is that sooner or later they're going to make some programs to make it even easier and slash more irresistible to do just that. I, listening to your interview with uh, Jonathan, his last name escapes me Abinayim, right sure, now. Yeah. Yes. Yep. I, I listening to him. I, I've been listening to him and, and Sean on their dentist yep. cars yep. cast, and uh, the the stuff that they're doing seems a really interesting, and b listening to them almost sounds to me not being in digital dentistry yet. It sounds like they're in a different profession, yeah, yeah but totally. in a much cooler one yeah. that I want to be in. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't doesn't seem to smell like formic resol in their office. What's that all about? <laughs> I, I totally get. No, I, I mean, mind you, that it's mind boggling what they're doing. But I don't know that that's that far away from mainstream at this point. So that was really cool. Zach. I'll tell you what, we've been going for a while. I, I guess I'll have to have you back because there's a lot more we could talk about. But man, I really appreciate you being on the show. This was kind of a blast. Thank you for the opportunity, Alan. I appreciate it. You Keep bet. doing what you do. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. If you have any questions or comments about this show, please email me at alan, that's A-L-A-N, at 
Alan at the Alan Mead Experience. I'd love to hear from you. Questions, comments, or you want to get in touch with any of our guests, let us know. Hey, go over to iTunes. Give me a review. Give me five stars. I want to get my uh, I want to get my reviews up there. I need the listeners to do this. And tell all of your friends and your family and everyone you know about the Alan Mead Experience. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week.